from the nerve center of the NIPTI Radio Recording Studios, welcome. Today we are starting a parallel series of practice tips addressing speedy trial issues. These, we hope, will highlight the most significant aspects of the incredibly voluminous components of speedy trial law. Our goal is to have an ongoing production of up-to-the-minute practice tips, as well as constant updates as the Court of Appeals hands down new rulings. We will also work to identify distinctions among the four appellate division departments. We start today with the basic issue of how to determine the speedy trial time that you have for your case. The clock starts to run with the filing of the original accusatory instrument. This does not mean necessarily the day of the arrest. Please note, when calculating includable times, the date of the filing of the accusatory instrument is automatically excluded. Now, for felonies, not including homicide charges, the statute directs that the people have six calendar months in which to be ready for trial, not simply 180 days. An A misdemeanor is 90 days if it is tried in a criminal court setting on a prosecutor's information or simplified information, while a B misdemeanor has 60 days and a violation has 30 days, except for VTL violations, which appear to have no statutory limit whatsoever. Please note that certain homicide charges found in Article 125 of the Penal Law are not subject to the time limitations we have just identified. These charges are found in Penal Law 3030, Subdivision 3A. They are criminally negligent homicide, manslaughter in the second degree, also known as reckless manslaughter, manslaughter in the first degree, murder in the second degree, aggravated murder, and murder in the first degree. All of these are not subject to the strict six-month limitation. Rather, they are governed by Penal Law Article 3020, which is known as the Constitutional Speedy Trial Obligation. Crimes which are subject to the specific time limitations, which are part of a homicide indictment, where those crimes are part of the criminal transaction of the homicide, are not subject to their speedy trial limitations by calendar, but rather are governed by the same constitutional speedy trial rules that govern those homicide charges. For example, you have a July 1st filing of the accusatory instrument on a felony case, which gives you 184 days, while a September 1st filing gives you 181 days and 182 days every leap year because February is included in that six months period and leap year comes into play every fourth year. If the original complaint is written up as a misdemeanor and then is indicted as a felony, you have six calendar months in which to be ready for trial. If the original complaint is written up as a felony and later is indicted as a misdemeanor, which is permissible, you still have six months in which to be ready for trial. Now, if the case is originally charged as a felony and then reduced to a misdemeanor to be tried in the criminal court, you have, from the time of the filing of the new accusatory instrument in criminal court, either 90 days if it's an A misdemeanor or 30 days if it's a B misdemeanor and so forth, or the remainder of the original six months minus whatever time has been charged to you 
during the pendency is a felony. Whichever of those two numbers is less, that is how much time in which you have to answer ready for trial. The authority for this can be found in CPL 3030 subdivisions 5C, D, and E. Now, let's take a look at the rule of synestage. If you represent a case and file a new indictment, calculation of both includable and excludable time still begins with the filing of the original accusatory instrument. This includes a case where you represent and add a crime that was committed during the same criminal transaction but was not in the original indictment or even the original complaint. This is the case of People v. Sinistage. Once the action has commenced, it includes the filing of all further accusatory instruments directly derived from the initial one. The rationale for this rule was originally to prevent the people from charging a defendant with one crime at a time and then subsequently adding a new one each time starting with a new six months or 90 days. The reality is, if you fail to charge a specific crime, which later you determine should have been in the indictment, because of the rule of synestage, all the excludable time for the crimes that have been charged are attributable to the new count that you add to the indictment, and thus it will still be able to be prosecuted under that new theory as well as the old ones. Does the speedy trial clock ever get reset to zero, under certain circumstances it does, and they can be found in CPL 3030 subdivision 5A. For example, when a defendant withdraws a plea, all your includable time is removed and you're back to zero. When a defendant is to be retried due to a mistrial, such as a hung jury or a mistrial during jury selection, or when a new trial is ordered as a result of a successful appeal by the defense, or a successful collateral attack. Under any of these circumstances, the clock starts over. In the case of Brackley v. Donnelly from the Second Department in 1976, the court wrote, despite the fact that this case did not proceed to a state in which the defendant was placed in jeopardy, the trial itself commenced with the jury selection process. Accordingly, termination of the trial proceeding could only be obtained by the declaration of a mistrial. Is there anything that can be done if there is a dismissal of a misdemeanor complaint due to speedy trial reasons? Well, the second department has held and the third department has noted that the dismissal of misdemeanor charges for speedy trial reasons does not preclude the presentation of felony charges to the grand jury on that same criminal transaction. In matter of Chang v. Rotker from the second department in 1990, the court wrote, there is simply no constitutional or statutory provision, clear or otherwise, which prohibits the grand jury as an arm of the court from indicting a person for crimes with which he had previously been charged in an accusatory instrument which, correctly or incorrectly, had been dismissed by a local criminal court pursuant to CPL 17031E. In calculating includable and excludable time, there is one important point that cannot be mentioned too often and should never be overlooked. That is the application of the subdivisions found in CPL 3030 subdivision 4. Any of those subdivisions which make time 
excludable, which would otherwise be includable, do not require a present or past statement of readiness, nor do they require that there be a viable accusatory instrument upon which the defendant may be tried. Always keep this in mind when doing your calculations of whether or not time is chargeable to you. As you may remember, we have already done one nifty practice tip addressing a 30-30 issue, that of the exclusion of time under 3034G for the motion and testing time for determining if there is a DNA match with the defendant. The case law and statutory authority for the issues discussed today can be found both in the nifty practice tip on calculating speedy trial time, as well as the more extensive memo, Speedy Trial Calculating Time. Our thanks to our crack producer, Jonathan Marconi Crespino. Good luck and stay ready, my friends, and time will be on your side.